Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello to you today. Welcome to The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm your host, Jan L. Burt, and I'm kind of your go-to gal, your resident expert, if you will, about God's promises. Did you know that God has some very specific, very reassuring, very exact promises for you? He really does. And I would love to help you discover what those exact, perfect, and specific promises for your life actually are. Currently on the podcast, we are doing a series on the promises that we find in Romans chapter 8. And this is the ninth episode in the series with just one more to come next week as we wrap up this what's really been a phenomenal it's really been an awesome series I've learned so much and I hope that you have too and if you've missed any of the episodes um, you know hit hit that subscribe button and you can go back through and listen to them any old time you want to all right so got some questions for you today have you ever felt unsure about your future Yeah, dun, dun, dun. That's a big, that's kind of a heavy question, isn't it? If you have ever had like that sense of uh, uncertainty about the future or maybe kind of that self-condemnation or maybe even been under actual condemnation from someone else, maybe you felt like you're kind of living your life under the gun, feeling somewhat separated from God, but wanting to live at peace and to get out from under the weight of being pushed around, spiritually speaking, Uh, or maybe, you know, rather better way to say it might be feeling like your face is being pushed down in the mud. You know, you might feel like you're being pushed around or you might feel like somebody has got my face and they're shoving it into the mud. There are times like that. You know what I mean? If you know, you know, if you've ever dealt with anything even remotely similar to what I just described, then today I've got some good things to share with you. And newsflash, if you have never been in that kind of a situation before, well, wow, first of all, I'm in awe. That's amazing. That's incredible. But you might know somebody who has felt this way. And after listening today, you can probably pass along some encouragement to somebody who really could use it. So I hope you'll stick around for the show today. Here's what's coming your way in today's show, a good, hard look at Romans 8, verses 31 through 35, and a whole lot of tangible ways to live with God's promises as your daily reality. Now, how can I say that and be sure that this is going to be true for you? Well, here, let me just let me just tell you how. Since my diagnosis of heart failure in 2016, and it's been a minute, it's 2022 now, I have been like literally, and I mean like as in literally, I live on God's promises. They're like the oxygen that I breathe. They're the very air that I breathe. They're the breath in my lungs. When cardiologists who are renowned, the best in their field, and electrophysiologists, when they tell you, you should not be able to get out of bed, that kind of gets your attention. You know what I mean? 
There's no woman that I know of who wants to be in her mid-40s, as I was in 2016, and told that she's going to live out the rest of her days barely able to get out of bed. I don't know anybody that wants to live with that hanging over them. It literally feels like a guillotine over your head or a death sentence. It just sounds terrible. But God, but God, every day, every step of the way, as I just lean in and believe his word, like believe it, really choose to stand on his promises and to believe what he has to say above and beyond anything else and everything else. Well, he has given me a life that is rich, full, exciting, blessed. I actually feel like I'm so favored by God. I really am living a good life, a truly good life. And it's all because I believe God's promises. I guess that's kind of what makes me the go-to gal for God's promises and why I feel like I can say that what we're going to talk about in Romans 8 verses 31 through 35 today, how I can say it's true and it can be true for you. God wants it to be true for you. All right. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here to grab hold of God's promises along with me today. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing on the Edify app. This is episode 98. All right, so in episode 97, we ended with verse 31 from the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And I'm going to do something that I don't usually do, which is to start an episode with a verse from the last episode. So I ended on verse 31, and today I'm going to start. I'm going to pick up on verse 31. We're going to start there again because it was the perfect ending last week, and it, it's also actually the perfect beginning for this week's show. I'm going to read that verse first as kind of a standalone, briefly as a standalone verse, share just a couple of thoughts on it, and then we're going to go back and read all of the verses for this episode. Romans 8:31 from the Amplified Classic Edition says this, What then shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Who can be our foe? In the Amplified, not the classical edition, just the Amplified, it reads like this. What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? And that, the regular Amplified, is the version that I referenced in episode 97. Who can be our foe? Who can be successful against us? When we really take a good look at what God has to say in the Bible, in his word, and remember it is his word. This isn't man's word. You know, so when we open our Bibles and we take a good hard look, not talking about a quick scan, no, no, but a good read. After that good look, after that good read, you know, where we just, which we just did, last week in some previous verses of Romans 8. In the last couple of months, we've been looking at just piece by piece, bit by bit, Romans 8. We've taken a good hard look. Then we're, we arrive here. Then comes the promise of verse 31. And and the, the beautiful thing about Romans 8, 31 is that after reading whatever portion of the Bible you are in during your daily quiet time or, you know, whatever name you might have for your personal time with the Lord, where you're in the word and you're in prayer, whatever you've been reading, Wherever you are in the entirety of the Bible, right after that, you can, you can simply believe that the premise that we find in this particular verse, Romans 8, 31, is totally true for you. You can read whatever you're reading, and then you can pause and say, well, what are you going to say after reading what you just read? What am I going to say after reading whatever I just read? What are you going to say 
about what you read this morning when you opened your Bible or this evening or when you open your Bible app on your lunch hour, what, whenever your time in the Word is. What are you going to say? I hope that what you say is this, my God is for me, for me, and I cannot truly have any foes that can stand against the power of my God, against the promises that he's made to me. My God is for me, so nobody, no demon, no devil, nobody at all can be successful against me. You know, I really believe that when the Bible says, even your enemies will be at peace with you, and I take that from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, even your enemies will be at peace for you. When the Bible says that, that is exactly what it means. Somebody may want to be your foe. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen sometimes in life. They may want to be your foe, but you can stand on God's word and you can pray that they will not be able to be your enemy, that they will not be able to do you any harm, that there will be no success whenever they decide to come against you. Uh, this reminds me of the Israelites, all right? So they've been wandering in the desert. Moses has been leading them, the, the exodus, they left Egypt, and that they're going to come into the promised land. And this is in uh, Numbers chapter 22 is where you can find this hunk of, of scripture, you know, a story, a true story. It really happened. It's just amazing. So you have the the people who already live there in the promised land, and they know they're coming in, and they've heard the stories about this people. And so they hire this dude who kind of seems to have this ability to throw down curses. And that's a thing. It's a demonic thing, and it's a real thing. There are people who can curse you. There are people who probably have cursed you. Um, the power of life and death is in the tongue, is what the Bible says. And you shouldn't be too flippant or too quick to be like, ah, eh, that doesn't mean anything. Well, you know, I mean... I'm one to say if it happened in Numbers 22 in the book of Proverbs, the wisest man to ever live, Solomon, said that that the power of life and death was in the tongue. Yeah, I'm thinking, um, yeah, I'm going to mind my words and I'm going to realize that people may say things against me that are curses. And uh, I'm going to combat that just like overarching over my whole life. I don't need to know all the ins and outs of who hates me and who doesn't or blah, blah, blah. But I can speak over my the entirety of my life. Lord, would you just do what your word has said? That no, nobody could be successful against me because you said so? That um, my enemies, would you make them to my enemies to be at peace with me? Would you bring that about? Would you do like Numbers 22? And what happened there is they hired this man named Balaam and they wanted him to curse the Israelites as they're getting close to coming into the promised land. And he could not do it, not for any amount of money. And he had been hired by them to do this cursing. And he made, he really did want that payout. He wanted it. He tried and he tried and he tried, you know, not from any different vantage point that he went to, no matter if they upped the ante, no matter how many times they appealed to him, no matter how much he went and said, God, please just let it work. I want what I want. I want the payout. So let me curse them. And God was like, no, it's not going to happen. You can bless them, but you can't curse them. I want that to be something that I speak over my life as a whole. God, you turn every curse into a blessing. Don't allow the curses to stick. You know what I mean? Why not pray that? We're going to deal with people who who are our foes in this life. And there's going to be more on kind of the why of that in just a minute. But just speak against it. Speak against it. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So go ahead and make your words, your tongue, agree with what God's word says so that you are living in the light of the power of of life and death. Like we want to be on the life side, not the death side. Okay. So he couldn't curse them, not for any amount of money, no matter what it just, no matter how hard he tried. And people are sometimes going to try hard when they get a case of greedy itis, you know, like they may want that payout, whatever it might be. 
they might really, really want that payout, whatever it might be. And you have to know that um, greedy, greed is just, it's a monster. We call it the green eyed monster for a reason. It can't see beyond what it wants, you know, and they want that payout. Uh, but he still could not curse them. He could only bless them. I love that. Numbers chapter 22. God is not a man that he should lie. So when the Bible says that nobody can really be our foe when God is on our side, that's pretty interesting. We want to pay attention. We want to be in agreement with a promise of that magnitude. We live in a rough and tumble world, y'all, and that makes me want to grab this verse and grab it with the express purpose of holding on to it, believing it over my own life and seeing it play out for real. Okay, so now we've had another look at this verse by itself, verse 31, and now we're going to add in some more verses. As I read them, be sure to listen and hear what God is promising to you in this passage, because his promises are for you and they're for me. They are for us right now today. So right now today is the time when we do not want to miss out on any of those promises. Romans 8, 31 through 35. And this time I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. What then shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? When it is God who justifies, that is, who puts us in right relation to himself, who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? Wow. Okay. That is a hunk of promises, all condensed into a handful of verses. You know, in the intro, I mentioned feeling uncertain regarding the future. And I also mentioned condemnation, self-condemnation, or having another person condemn you, either one of those. in you know, somebody who condemns you in any way, shape, form, or manner, like guilt and shame, that can feel really condemning. It is, it actually is very condemning. Peer pressure, that can feel like condemnation. Expectations, that we put on ourselves or that others put on us to be all the things in every arena of life, all the time, every day, all year long, that can feel pretty condemning. The hunk of the Bible that we just read, Romans 8 verses 31 through 35, it has something for us that's intended to help us, not just to give us a case of the feels, you know, quote unquote, the feels for the next half hour or so. Look, Jesus's ministry was never about the feels. I'm, now I'm sure there were people who were only there because the crowd was there and they had some warm fuzzies as part of being in that crowd. That happens. It happens now. It happened then most certainly. You know, it's it's going to happen some of the time. There are going to be some people who are like, here's here's just how this sometimes plays out. There will be people who talk bad about you. Like you hear all of the nonsense that they have to say about you. People gets back to you. You know how gossip is. It just circles back around and they talk bad about you. But then when they're with you, they seem like kind and warm. And they really kind of like, wow, you actually seem to like me. The Holy Spirit um, in you can actually give them the feels, some kind of warm fuzzies. So they're with you and they actually do like you because it's like the Holy Spirit's that powerful. It's very compelling. 
the you feel the love of the Lord. You feel the presence of the Lord. It's it's a it's just a good thing. And so you can kind of get the feels, but then they may not be around you and by the next day or a couple days later, you're hearing more stuff again. They're talking bad about you again. And it's like, what's that all about? Well, this can give you a little bit of insight. The feels they have is like the Holy Spirit in you, if that makes some sense. So they may really be legit enjoying being in your presence, but it's the spirit of the living God who dwells within you that is creating that environment that allows them to feel different when they're with you than when they're away from you. Anybody ever have like a sense of confusion about why that is sometimes the case? I hope that brings just a little bit of clarity. It's really not uncommon at all. It happens all the time. And that's just one example of how, you know, think about it. There could have been people who were praising Jesus on his way into Jerusalem as he rode in on the donkey saying, uh, you know, Hosea to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and then yelling for his crucifixion crucify him, crucify him just a matter of hours later. The feels, the feels, they, they, they are a thing and they kind of are that way. So, um, you know, Jesus, he never wants us to have only temporary and fleeting and ever-changing feelings, you know, being led by changing temperaments and being led by the crowd around us, right? That's not the kind of ministry he came to deliver. So we we can, as disciples of Jesus, we can read this passage and we can have it bring about life change that goes far beyond the quick, touchy, feely experiences. That is how Jesus ministered when he was here. Not everyone received his ministry in that way. We want to make sure that we are receiving what Jesus has for us because we can miss it if it's all about just the feels and just going with the flow in the crowd. We want to really choose to believe. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't care who's here and who's not here. I'm listening to the word to Jesus. I'm sitting at his feet. I don't care how much my sister is yelling at me to get up and help with the meal preparation or I don't care. I don't care if I look like a crazy woman breaking the alabaster jar on his feet and, and, you know, washing his feet with my hair and my tears. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to just be like, what, whatever is going on around me. I and focused on Jesus. And then, wow, we are not just going to have a feely, feely experience that fades away once the feeling is gone, because it's more than a feeling. It's an experience that is an encounter with the living God who dwells inside of us. It's life-changing and it's permanent. Okay, so God really wants us to get this point. Don't live fearing all kinds of things all of the time. Just He doesn't want that for us. Don't constantly worry about the future, about what, what's going to happen, what might happen. What if my needs don't get met? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Verse 32, really frankly and kind of boldly just tells us that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you and for me. And then it just like, boom, just flat asks us a question that we really need to answer. So really, you and I, we need to answer the question in Romans eight thirty-two because when God asks us something, who are we to not honestly answer him? You know, I mean, it doesn't turn out well when we try to get dodgy with God. And it doesn't always, you know, I mean, I just think of, check out the book of Job and see how the questioning thing, the back and forth, I'm questioning God and then God questions me and I'm like flat on my face saying, I did not know what I was doing. I knew nothing. I'm a fool, basically. You know, like it doesn't go well to not get ourselves in proper alignment, he is God and we are not. And so when he asks a question, let's just be honest enough to answer. So let's look at what the question is in verse 32 of Romans chapter eight. 
after reminding us that he gave all. God gave us all. He gave his son Jesus. There's nothing more that he could give. Will he not also with him, along with Jesus, freely and graciously give us all other things? Will he not? What's your answer to that question? What's he going to not give you after he already gave you all? What's your answer to that question? See how it reframes the whole issue of worrying? You know, what does it say about our level of trust in God and all of his promises that he's made to us versus our trust in the devil and all of his lies when we just really don't believe that our God is going to freely and graciously give us all that we ever, ever, ever need? What does it say? Who does it say we trust more when we don't believe that all and ever mean all and ever? You know, that might sound a little abrasive maybe, but you know, isn't that really what the dealio is? If you boil it down, we're trusting the devil more than we trust God if we live continually doubting that Romans 8.32 is going to be true for us, like really, truly true for us. Do not trust the liar and don't trust his lies. Make the decision that Romans 8.32 is the truth and then make the additional decision that it is true for you permanently, permanently true for you. Who will bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen ones? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in a right relationship with himself. That's verse 33. You may feel that condemnation at times. We all do. It's really not totally avoidable in this world that we live in. You know what I mean? But it does not have the last say. It doesn't have the last say. It's going to come, but it doesn't have the right It doesn't have the authority to stick around. It will stay as long as you leave out that welcome mat. But in any moment, you can just shut that door. You can bar that door shut. The door of condemnation, you can bar it shut at any moment. Uh, And you might be like, well, you know, now, Jan, I don't know. I mean, you know, well, I don't know. All right, all right. I can already kind of guess what you might be thinking. I know where your mind is going when I say, you, could, you have the authority to tell it that it can't stick around long term, right? And I get it. I'm a human. I've lived on this planet. I, understand, I know where your thoughts are going to go because mine have gone there. But remember in the intro, I kind of shared with you why I am speaking into this because I live by it. I live by it. I am alive because I believe that what God has promised to me in his word trumps anything that any cardiologist would ever say. And it trumps what actually has happened and gone on with my heart, my physical condition. I believe. And so I live literally. So that's where I'm, I'm coming at this from. Sometimes when it seems like I'm a little bit like intense, don't think of it as intensity, like against you. Think of it as intensity. I'm talking to the devil. You better just get on out of here and leave the children of the most high God alone. These promises are theirs, and I'm going to keep talking about them, and they're going to keep believing them, the end. So really, um, just let this verse, Romans 8.32, be the final word on that condemnation when you begin to feel it. Let it be the final word on somebody else's condemnation or self-condemnation. Because for many of us, self-condemnation can be a lot more intrusive. It can be the more bullying type of culprit, if you will, in our thoughts and in our lives than other people's outright condemnation. Let this be the final word. You do not have authority over God. You know, am I right? Yeah. You know, I don't either. He declared you blameless. He declared you blameless. He put you into a right relationship with himself. He justifies you. You are his chosen one because he did the choosing of you. 
Now, who will bring any charge against his chosen one? Hmm. Shut that door and bar it. Lock it tight. And don't, you know, just grab that welcome mat and you just yank it right out from under the feet of condemnation and self-condemnation. And just say, Romans 8, 33, you slam that door shut. And while you're slamming it and getting ready to lock it, you say, Romans 8, 33. God's word becomes the final authority and the governing truth in our lives when we apply it in this manner. Change your thinking, change your life. So think according to the word of God, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I've got to be knowing what it says in his book. The next verse, verse um, 34, it goes hand in glove with verse 33. And I'm going to read it. And I'd like you to just kind of let it sink in as it pertains to any type of condemning that you might be dealing with. Okay, so here it is. Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us? The question is really, you know, there's just one. That's one with a capital O, O O-N-E. There is one who would have the authority, the right to condemn us once we've been declared blameless by God. And, you know, that's a salvation issue. The way to be free of condemnation is Jesus he paid the penalty from your, for your sins, and he is the way to freedom and forgiveness. That's the way. There's one way, and it's Jesus. But who else but Jesus can come back around and say, um, you know, I've, who else has the ability to bring condemnation before our Father for those who are, who are actually in Christ? And Jesus is not going to do that. He sits at the Father's right hand, and he actually intercedes for you and for me. So he isn't interceding for us, and then in the next breath, calling for our condemnation. No, no, no. He did not die and rise again so we could live in worry and fret and fearfulness that, you know, at any moment I could go from life, this life that God gave me, I can go from life to death. That's what condemnation would be. If if the only one who is able to condemn us, and that's Jesus, were to condemn us, he would be taking us from life to death. No, 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 no. We have gone from death to life because of Jesus. Jesus is not in the business of life to death. He is always and only in the business of death to life. The newness of life is what we have in him. So the only one who could authoritatively condemn you will not do so. It's not going to happen. This is the truth, my friend. Herein lies the promise. And indeed, this is yours so long as you just actually believe it. Okay, now we're going to arrive at the last verse for today verse 35 of Romans chapter 8, and it says this, Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? That is a list, is it not? Paul is saying whatever the thing is, even if I haven't listed it here specifically, I've listed enough things that you know there is nothing that can be, there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate you from Christ's love. Might not be on this list, but this is a long enough and exaggerative enough list. You know that there's nothing you can add that can sneak in the back door and be the separator between you and the love of Christ. Who or what can separate you from the love that Jesus has for you? And it's for you. God's promises are for you and the love of Jesus is for you. From the Father's love for you. From the Holy Spirit who lives within you. From his love. Suffering? No. Affliction? Also, no. Tribulation? No, 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 no. Uh, Calamity? No, sir. Distress? No. Is the devil 
the chronic and pathological liar that he is going to come at you via all of these avenues and try to make you feel. And remember, we talked about the feels. He's going to make, if you feel, 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 feel it. After a while, you start to believe it, believe it, believe it. And you might even be believing it totally, even though it's nothing but a big fat lie, right? The devil is going to try to hit you with affliction. Boom. And then he's going to try to immediately start hitting you with this classic lie that you're not really, truly, fully loved by God. These are lies. You know, I have a daughter who's a boxer, and this is like, there's a way you want to hit and then hit with another follow-up right away um, that, that could be very detrimental to your opponent. That's all the devil's trying to do. That's all he's trying. These are just lies. You, you, here, here, let's just push this on, on her. Push this on him. You feel, oh, let's, let's throw affliction. Let's throw distress. Let's flow, throw peril, you know, there's, yeah. And then, and then boom, 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 boom. See, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. It's just like this really aggressive attack, but a lie is still a lie. A lie is always a lie. And a chronic and pathological liar who Jesus himself said, he's the father of lies and the truth is not in him. He can't speak, but his native tongue. Um, yeah, he's just, all he's going to do is lie. These things are going to happen in this fallen world. You're going to experience them because Satan is real and he hates you because he hates Jesus and Jesus loves you. Jesus called you. Jesus chosen you. And so you're hated. You know, you're kind of like guilty by association. That's all right. That's all right. The devil is nothing compared to your God. So that's okay. Don't get scared by that. Don't get scared by that. Just recognize when these things come at you, they're coming from the liar. They're coming from the liar. And if they're coming from the liar, yeah, they're, you can count on the fact that they're lies. They have no power over your God. They have no power over his unending, overflowing love for you. The pathological liar who is destined for hell does not get to speak his lies into this area of your life any longer. Those days are done, my friend. Persecution, that doesn't change God's love for me. Hunger, my God still loves me with an unending love. Destitution, peril, the sword, love, love, love. Are you unsure about the future? Stand on this today. Stand on this today. You are loved with an unending love. The love God has for you, it's engraved on the palms of the hands of Jesus. The love God has for you is the mark of the Holy Spirit upon you. It identifies you as his own. And all of the forces and powers of evil and darkness in the spiritual realm, they see it and they know you're his. So that all they can do is try to get you to believe their lies because actually they can't touch you. Remember what it says in verse 31? It cannot be successful against you. They cannot be. They will not be. It's a promise. It's a promise. You have been claimed as one who belongs to the God most high. And you will never, ever be unclaimed. All right. Now, I stopped at kind of a midpoint, it feels like, with verse 35. But that was intentional. Next week, we're going to take one final look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to see the remaining promises from this chapter. And in the way that only Paul can do, this ends on the highest of all high notes. It really does. It's like we've been preparing a runway. You know, we're prepping the runway and the plane, it's circling, it's circling, it's ready to land. We're going to land the plane in episode 99 and we're going to let some things disembark from our, our individual planes because we ain't taking them with us for the rest of our life's journey. They're going to disembark and they're just going to go on their merry way, you know, back to hell where they came from, quite frankly. Some other things, they're going to board our planes. They're going to board our planes because they're like treasure. 
and we are loading up on treasure for the journey. And while you're on that runway with me next week via the Ernie Show podcast, I'm going to be sharing some things that are, it's like you're refueling. You're refueling. You're not, you know, the plane isn't going to go to the, the plane junkyard. I used to live in Tucson when I was a kid, and there is literally a plane graveyard. The plane isn't going there. When you land, it, it's actually, you're just, you're just disembarking some things. Some other things are boarding, and you're getting refueled. And then you're going to take off again. And that's all that these podcast episodes are. You're just getting refueled and letting the disembarking happen and the getting on board thing happen. And while you're, you're listening to the podcast, I'm refueling your big old jet airliner. And then I'm going to clear you for takeoff and I'll see you off for another jaunt. You're off on another, um, in the military, they call it catch a hop. You're off on another hop. That's what they call a flight. You catch a hop. The next time you're going to swing back by, you're going to land again for another refuel. And that's literally what this is all about. Getting the promises of God into the people of God, one refuel at a time. And in the meantime, between now and next week's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab a copy of my book, The Power of God's Will, 40 Days of God's Promises Devotional. You can find that on Amazon. I'll throw a link in the show notes, or you can just look it up real quick. I mean, right now you could just type in Jan middle initial L, like capital L, J-A-N, capital L-B-U-R-T on Amazon, The Power of God's Will, 40 Days of God's Promises Devotional, and just chuck it in your Amazon cart so it's ready for your next order. Or don't chuck it, throw it, toss it, add it, however you want to say that. So it's ready to go next time you order because it will encourage you. It's 40 days of God's promises that have the word will in them. You don't want to not know any single thing that God has promised he will do for you. You want to be about dialing in, honing in, and believing that what God has said he will do, oh, you better believe he'll do it. Go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or um, on my YouTube channel. Uh, just, uh, you know, hit that bell, that cheesy little saying, hit that bell. Uh, I don't want you to miss anything. Next week, I'm also going to feature a show sponsor. This is going to be a podcast whose host I was super blessed to meet when I was in Nashville just a few days ago at the Spark Podcast Conference. You know, there was also um, some digital ministry conference that I was able to be part of, and the NRB was taking place. Really good stuff. And I met some amazing people, and I'm going to have a sponsor next week that I'm going to talk about, one of a you know, fellow Christian podcaster that you don't want to miss. Good stuff. So subscribe. Don't miss out on that. Um, yeah, I really want to share that stuff with you that I've been blessed by because we are blessed to be a blessing and you go on and you do the same thing in your own life. You spread the blessing with somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. God doesn't give you good stuff just for you to hoard it. And the more you give, the more he can give, right? I mean, the measure you use, the measure you use is the measure will be given to you. So be a good giver of all things, including stuff like, Hey, this podcast is great. That's what I'm going to do next week. And I've got a few things coming up that are also going to be super exciting blessings. So it's going to be good. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is Jan L. Burt signing off. You've been listening to the Burt Not Ernie show, part of the Spark Network, now playing on the Edify app. Lord bless you. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.